everyone. Welcome to the Horror Geek Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Ann, and with me is my co-host, Justin Corbett. And for those of you who don't know, I am the owner and editor-in-chief of HorrorGeekLife.com. We're a site that covers all things horror, geek, and gaming. And I am a writer at HorrorGeekLife.com, as well as a contributing editor. So you guys may have noticed that we haven't put out an episode in about a month, and uh, we have a good reason for that. Number one being that Melissa recently traveled to Seattle for PAX, and I think she had a great time up there, didn't you? I did, yeah. It was it was a very good time. There were a lot of game developers, a lot of new games to check out, some really great streamers and gamers, and it was a really great time, definitely. So at least one of us was having fun. Uh, I, I know. <laughs> I, however, am down in Houston, which is an area that was severely affected by Hurricane Harvey about a month ago. And uh, I personally was not that affected. My house wasn't flooded. My cars weren't destroyed or anything like that. I just got trapped in my house for a few days and lost electricity. But I know a lot of other people that really were severely affected. So in the interim between when that happened and when this episode is being released, I've been developing something called the Hurricane Harvey Podcast Pack. And what it is is a collection of over 50 different podcasts that have contributed special exclusive episodes that are only available as part of this pack. And you can get it for $10 by going to generosity.com and doing a search for the Hurricane Harvey podcast pack. And all the money raised from this campaign uh, is going to be sent directly to victims of Hurricane Harvey. 75% is going to Mayor Turner's Hurricane Harvey Relief Fund and 25% is going straight to podcasters that I know that live in Houston that were affected by the storm. And I think at this time we've already raised about $700. So it's going pretty good. That's great. And um, how long do they have to, to contribute? I believe there's another two weeks. And uh, again, all you have to do is go to generosity.com and do a search for the Hurricane Harvey podcast pack. And we will be posting that on our social media pages um, this week and again this weekend. So you can also find the links there. Let's move on to the show. Okay, so this week in horror news, we're finding out a little bit more about Halloween. And first, we found out that Jamie Lee Curtis is coming back as Laurie Strode. And now we're finding out that Judy Greer is in talks to possibly play Karen Strode, who's going to be Laurie's daughter. Uh, the film is coming in 2018, and it'll be written and directed by David Gordon Green, and it's going to be co-written by Danny McBride. I love Danny McBride. I think it's going to have uh, some of his classic humor. Yeah, he's kind of a weird choice to pick for this movie, I think. But uh, I like pretty much everything I've seen that he's written. So I think it's going to be an interesting take on Halloween and Michael Myers. Yeah, I totally agree. Whenever I found out that Danny McBride was attached to it, I thought the same thing. But I can actually see this working. I'm pretty excited for this film. Yeah, me too. And then also this week, Cold of Chucky arrived on Netflix and Blu-ray. It came out last night. Of course, by the time this podcast is out, it'll be out for a few days. But we've already had a chance to review it, and our reviewer gave it four out of five stars. Um, he says that if you're a fan of the franchise, you're really going to love this film. He actually said that it was his favorite film out of the franchise, and wow. he loves the franchise. So that's pretty big. Yeah, Child's Play has always been – Child's Play was one of the first horror movies I ever saw and the first one that I really fell in love with the genre through. So I'm really excited to watch this. Yeah, same here. Child's Play 2 was actually the first Child's Play film that I saw, and I loved it. I remember it was a rainy day. I was in third grade, and I watched the film, and I was traumatized. It was so great. <laughs> uh, uh, the only downfall that he kind of said in his review is that it relies a little bit too much on comedy sometimes than horror, but he said it was just a really minor gripe, but, you know, with Chucky. That's what you should expect. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited to check it out. I think I'm actually going to watch it on Netflix uh, tomorrow night. Sounds good. I will too. Uh, well, let's move on to this week's geek news then. Uh, we found out this week that Linda Hamilton is set to return as Sarah Connor in Terminator 6. 
which has me extremely excited. Uh, we know that James Cameron has confirmed that Terminator 6 is going to serve as a direct sequel to Terminator 2 Judgment Day and will ignore the events of the films that came after that. He says this is a continuation of the story from Terminator 1 and 2, and we're just going to pretend that the other, other films were a bad dream <laughs> or an alternate timeline or whatever. I think that's amazing. Terminator 2 has long been my favorite movie. Like I, I hold that movie above all others. I can watch it anytime, day or night, and I love it. Um, I think we mentioned it in every episode. There are little things about each of us that we mention every episode, and that's your thing. I love Terminator. <laughs> and I love the fact that, that uh, Linda Hamilton's coming back. I mean, she was amazing as Sarah Connor. How cool would it be if we could get the whole original cast, too? I mean, I know that Edward Furlong hasn't really been focusing on his acting career for many years, but it would be kind of cool to see him come back to the screen and, and reprise his role as John Connor several years in the future, don't you think? Um, I recently saw a picture of him and what he's up to now. I think with a little finesse <laughs> and a little work, he, he could get there, possibly. He, you know, he annoyed me, though, in T2, and I'm not sure he wouldn't annoy me now. So I'm a little on the fence about that, but maybe. I think it would be really cool, but I'm, I'm, all, about, <laughs> I'm all about nostalgia. So, <laughs> Well, speaking of uh, gaming news, the Atari box. Uh, there was some cool news coming out about that that's actually going to launch in spring 2018. Atari said that it's going to run on a Linux OS and it's going to be an open platform. So it's going to work with games from other providers, which is pretty cool to know. Oh yeah, The system's going to be between 250 and 300, depending on what version you're going to get. And uh, there's actually going to be an Indiegogo come out this fall. So you can order it through the Indiegogo, which also supports the campaign. And then it will come out in the springtime. That's pretty so, cool. That's an interesting way to do it. Yeah, and uh, the the design that they have for the Atari box is pretty sleek. It's very nostalgic. I mean, it just kind of really plays on on our childhood. So does it have the wood paneling like the old one did. Yes. Oh, that's yep, cool. It sure does. And so uh, I'm actually cannot wait to support the Indiegogo. <laughs> like I'm just waiting for the press release to come out to let us know that it's out. But if you're interested in getting uh, exclusive first looks and things like that, you can go to ataribox.com and sign up there. And they'll put you on the email list. Sounds good. Yeah. And then uh, also in gaming news, Rockstar Games dropped the trailer for Red Dead Redemption 2, which I was so excited about. I had it on my calendar as soon as Rockstar Games tweeted out that something was coming on the day that they released the trailer. I had it on my calendar. I couldn't wait to see what it was going to be. And they gave us a pretty cool trailer teaser. So I'm excited. Um, we found out it's actually going to be a prequel to the first game. And players will take on the role of Arthur Morgan. And there will be an online mode, which a lot of players were wondering if that was going to come back to the uh, to uh, the sequel. So, Or I guess the prequel yeah. that we now know. So it's a really cool trailer. We have it up on our site. And if you're a fan of the first game, definitely check this out. If you've never played the franchise, just do it. I mean, it is so much fun. I had a great time riding around on my horse. Uh, the storyline is really deep. And uh, the ending will leave you sad. <laughs> no, but, uh, but seriously, it's a, great, it's a great game. So we're excited for that. Yeah, I watched the trailer. It looks pretty cool. Did you? Yeah. Did you play the first game? I did not, no. But I, I know some people that did, and I heard a lot of good things. I just, you know, I don't have as much time for gaming as other people, usually. Yeah, I know. So many games to play. Okay, so moving on, we have a new segment on the Horror Geek Podcast, and I'm really excited about it. Me too. Uh, <laughs> are you? <laughs> I'm super excited about it. So our new segment is called Stories of the Strange and Macabre. And what it is, is we wanted to find real life stories that have a supernatural or horror or sci-fi element to them that we think would be interesting to talk about. 
And we're going to find a new one each week. We're going to alternate who picks them. And this week, Melissa chose. And Melissa, why don't you tell our audience about which story you chose? Okay, so as we already talked about, uh, Cold of Chucky comes out this week. And kind of keep them within the same theme, I wanted to talk about Robert the Doll. Of course, uh, the most famous haunted doll right now is Annabelle because of the films. But Robert the Doll has actually been around a lot longer than even Annabelle. He is 111 years old, and he resides at the Fort East Martello Museum in Key West, Florida. And he is on display there, so you can go there, see him, take pictures. Um, Apparently, you cannot take a picture of Robert the Doll unless you ask for permission, and he changes his facial expression to let you know that it's okay. Wow. (laughs) Yes. Um, I searched high and low for pictures of his facial expressions changing because I figured someone had to have gotten that on camera by now and I couldn't find any. So maybe he's never given anybody permission. (laughs) Well, the funny thing is, though, is that if he doesn't give you permission, then he curses you and you have to ask for forgiveness for him to take that curse off. Okay. It's the whole thing. And people do write him letters really often um, because apparently they took pictures of him before asking. And once they left, they were cursed. Their lives went to shit. And they send him peace offerings and letters like they send him candy and food and even marijuana. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's the thing. But the museum does ask you not to do that because they said it's very inappropriate because they are, in fact, a museum. <laughs> wink, wink. But I'm sure the employees, I'm sure the employees love it. Um. <laughs> they actually say they never touch his things because if they do for themselves, then he will also curse them. But uh, so to get into the story a little bit about Robert the doll, um, he belonged to a little boy named Robert Eugene Otto, who changed his name to Gene after he decided that his doll's name was Robert. Okay. And supposedly a Haitian maid was mistreated by Jean's parents and put a curse on the doll. And as soon as she did that, the doll started causing a lot of mischief around the house. Uh, they would see the doll move around. Jean would have conversations with him. And apparently Robert would even get mad at Jean and, um, and punish Jean in some ways. Furniture would fly. Stuffed animals would be gutted. Toys would be broken. Things like that. So finally, Jean's parents put the the doll up in the attic and put it away at the largest state that they lived in. And that's where he stayed until Jean was willed the house once his parents passed away. So, of course, he moves in with his lovely new wife. And what's the first thing he does is he gets Robert out of the attic. And uh, all of the same behaviors he had when he was a kid with the doll starts up again. Uh, the conversations, Robert slept right next to the bed, things like that. Jean's wife became so upset about it that she locked Robert away once again and supposedly ended up going crazy and dying right before Jean died. So there's not a whole lot of information about how they died, just that she went crazy. Huh. Apparently, whenever the Travel Channel decided to feature him, they did not ask for permission to take his picture. And the photographer's HD camera stopped working until he asked for forgiveness. And then it started working again. So... It's proof. <laughs> Robert the Doll is real. Sounds like it. There was a, uh, a film made back in 2015 by Andrew Jones, and it was shit. <laughs> it was like I I got it from Redbox. I was really, really excited because I've known about the, the story about Robert the Doll for a long time. And I was really excited to um, to see a film about it. And it was unwatchable. That's so I did not recommend it. And the doll looked Fucking ridiculous. <laughs> <Don't recommend it. laughs> so avoid the movie, but if you want to see the doll, go check it out. 
Yes. <laughs> I, I would love to see the doll one day. I really would. And um, I won't take any marijuana, but uh, I, I would love to see the doll and ask for permission and see him. He's supposed to tilt his head a little and grin. And that's when you know you're allowed to take the picture. Very cool. Yes, absolutely. And they do say that he still moves around in the museum. And a couple of the people will clean him and that he, he I guess, gets messy overnight and decides that uh, he doesn't want to be a clean boy. So, <laughs> Who does, really? <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, we hope you enjoyed our very first stories of the strange and macabre. Uh, if you have any other stories you'd like to, for us to talk about, feel free to reach out on Twitter to horrorgeeklife.com or to horrorgeekmel or to comicaljc and uh, we'll consider talking about them on the show. But let's move on to this week's main topic. Okay, so Halloween is around the corner. We are finally in October, which is our season. We're so excited. Um, And because of that, the other day, uh, we did put together a really fun list of 31 horror films to watch here in October. But the films on the list aren't exactly family-friendly. So I thought it would be fun on this podcast to talk about some more family-friendly horror and Halloween films that you can watch if you have little ones. And we've got a great list. First one on there is Ghostbusters. Absolutely. Um, I love Ghostbusters. It was one of my gateway, I call it my gateway to horror films um, that I would watch as a kid and it would really scare me, even though it's not really a scary film, but it would really scare me. And I just, I, I fell in love with it. I was uh, at a age. I was obsessed with Ghostbusters as a kid. Um, I had my own Ghostbusters outfit. I had like the proton pack and I would run around my house fighting ghosts all the time. It was actually really funny because my mom, uh, she would do the dishes in the dishwasher. And I, most dishwashers, whenever you open them, there's this big steam that comes out of them. I used to pretend it was like a class five vapor and I would sit there and shoot it with my proton pack. Do you still do that? Every day. Yeah. I have a confession. <laughs> What's that? I have an inflatable. <laughs> proton pack in my closet that's awesome i still have mine from when i was a kid it's in my garage and all of all of my toys i even had uh, the trap that you would, like throw across the floor and then push the little pedal and it would open up i was fully committed to being a ghostbuster when i grew up <laughs> uh, i actually have a slimer a funko slimer on my desk right now and he's just looking at me <laughs> that's so cool so still a fan yes were you a fan of the remake or the reboot whatever uh i i liked parts of it I thought the story wasn't as good as it could have been. And I'm not the biggest fan of Melissa McCarthy, but I liked everybody else in it. I really, you know, I actually, I was one of those people that really hated on it before I ever saw anything except for the trailer. I saw the trailer. I hated the trailer so much and I really expected to hate hate the film. And now it's one of those films I put on in the background and I actually really love it. And uh, that probably makes me not cool now, but (laughs) I do. A lot of people. I do love Melissa McCarthy. A lot of people really loved it. So you're, you're not alone. Um, (laughs) How do you feel about Ghostbusters 2 then? Let's just talk about Ghostbusters for a minute. I love Ghostbusters 2. You know, it's not a good film. I will admit that. Like, <laughs> technically, it's just it's just not. It's so hokey. Um, the only thing I really didn't like about Ghostbusters 2 is the beginning. Because they're playing a kid's party. After they save the whole goddamn world, they are nobodies. <laughs> and not even, like, a decade later, but, like, shortly after, they're nobodies. Yeah. And I really hated that that's who they are now. Is that they go from these heroes... Um, in part one to playing kids parties and, and getting shooed and booed out of the door because they weren't human. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? Oh my God. They just saved you. Are you kidding me from a giant marshmallow man? Exactly. And then they're like, Oh, my dad said he just made it up. Like, 
what the fuck, kid? Like, <laughs> I actually really have a special place in my heart for two. I love the whole Vigo storyline. Um, the weird, creepy museum curator guy. Uh, I've always like quoted that guy and his weird, goofy phrases and stuff. <laughs> you know, there's just so many like quotable moments in Ghostbusters too. It's it's definitely a favorite of mine. Yeah, same here. And when the slime is coming out of the bathtub, <laughs> the bathtub trying to eat Oscar. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) When it all starts moving. I mean, it's so hokey and over the top, but I love it. I've probably maybe seen it more than the first somehow. I don't know how. I know I have. I know I have. (laughs) Yeah. So I think it's a great series. And, um, and of course, you know, the real Ghostbusters, uh, that's always fun. Now it's on Netflix. Mm -hmm. And so that if the kids love Ghostbusters, that's always really fun to revisit. It is. And it's, it holds up pretty well, too. A lot better than you think it would. It really does. You know, and it scared me. I remember as a kid, it scared me. And uh, we did do an article about some of the scariest ghosts that are featured on the real Ghostbusters. Uh, we will probably be resharing that here soon. And you kind of read through it and you're like, oh, my God, like this is <laughs> they haunted my dreams as kids. I remember this. So when I was a kid for Halloween one year, my mom got me a customized real Ghostbusters book. It was like mm-hmm. a, a cartoon book. Um, but they had a character in the book that uh, they could customize as the boy that was reading it. So the character in the book was named Justin, and it was like this whole story with me as one of the characters in there. And it was like <laughs> one, of, one of my favorite things when I was a little kid. So, yeah, I've always been a that, huge fan. <laughs> that's adorable. <laughs> yeah. So definitely Ghostbusters. I what do you, I mean, what do you think a great age for that is? Seven, Seven or eight. Seven or eight, yeah. Definitely. I mean, I started watching horror films when I was way too young. Me too. So, <laughs> which is why we're here on this podcast. <laughs> yep. yep. Um, okay. So the next film that I would really recommend, this is a film that it's in my top three of my all time favorite films is Poltergeist. The original, not the remake shit, but the original Poltergeist 1982. Um, I just think that it still holds up today. I, I think the uh, practical effects were brilliant. Mm-hmm. I think the family is amazing. I think it's a great storyline, and it is definitely something that I would be excited to show my kids. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's got a lot of humor in it. It's got a lot of like really dark stuff in it. Even like the the supporting characters, I mean, the, the creepy old lady, like <laughs> add a lot to it. Uh, I love Poltergeist, too. It's one of my favorite ghost related stories for sure absolutely did you see the the reboot oh we talked about that before didn't we We did yeah yeah don't waste your time if you haven't seen it (laughs) i've never wanted to walk out of a theater and i'm very pro remake pro reboot it was awful yeah (laughs) but yeah i think that it's just so great and i think one thing that it really kind of some of the magic is that they use the practical effects even for these really big elaborate shots that they use practical effects and you can just kind of see it that it was a whole labor of love from the actors who are in it to the crew behind the scenes it just seems like it had so much passion and it's so 80s it is when it starts (laughs) out and he's riding his bicycle down the road through you know the suburbia neighborhood um i love that because it's just so 80s so that nostalgia factor absolutely uh moving along beetlejuice uh, it's a classic favorite of mine. Michael Keaton as the ghost with the most. <laughs> uh, this has come uh, up. This has come up recently on Horror Geek Life because one of our writers found a costume at a party shop that was the Beetlejuice costume, but it was simply labeled as Juice Demon, and uh, we've had a lot of laughs about that. <laughs> 
We did. Yeah. We actually had some people on social media who got really serious about it um, in their comments. And people were like, wait, this is a fake. Don't buy this. <laughs> like warning us, don't buy this. This is a fake. But I wanted to be a juice demon. <laughs> right. And then we had other people ask, what kind of juice? And I'm like, <laughs> I didn't even think about that question. <laughs> and they spelled it wrong, too. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, Beetlejuice. Oh, my God. So whimsical. So fun. Um, there was a lot of, of references, though, that I really didn't get as a kid that I only got when I got a little bit older and same watched here. it. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Prince Valium. I didn't know what that was. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. It's a classic. But, and if, if you've never seen it, you know, it's, it's one of the best horror comedies of all time. You got to check out Beetlejuice if you've never seen it. And of course, just like the Ghostbusters, uh, we had a phenomenal cartoon when we were growing up. Mm-hmm. I loved Beetlejuice. Yeah, and I think uh, you know, towards the end, it gets pretty dark. Um, whenever they're resurrecting the spirits within the bodies, um, that gets really dark, and it scared the crap out of me as a kid. So maybe a little bit older whenever you start to show this one, like 10. I just remember the toys. Beetlejuice had some cool toys. Yeah, you know, and this was also a film that is probably one of the first films that ever made me think about death. Like in a real way, it made me think about the afterlife and death and things like that as a kid. So I can see that. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of exposure to that in this movie. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, okay, so the next film is another film that probably one of the three films other than Ghostbusters um, that I call my gateway to horror, and that is Monster Squad. It's a classic. The cast from that movie has been touring around the country doing screenings and, and signing autographs and stuff recently. And they actually did one at Alamo Draft House a couple weeks ago here. I wasn't able to go, but my co-writer on my comic book was, and he picked up a couple of signed posters for us. So I'm pretty excited about that. Oh my God, that is awesome. I kind of feel weird when I watch it today because when I watched it as a kid, Rudy was like my imaginary boyfriend. I mean, he's the bad boy. He is just a total badass. I Mm -hmm. loved him so much. And I watch it today and I still get this like schoolgirl crush on him. (laughs) I have the same thing with Adam's family. And like Casper, I can't watch those because of Christina Ricci. Like I had a real bad thing for her growing up. And, you know, (laughs) when I watch it now, you know, like we're, we are this, she and I are the same age. So (laughs) when I watch it now, like those feelings I had as a 12 year old, I still have. And it's like, well, it's so weird. (laughs) It is. We probably shouldn't admit this to everybody. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) Um, but it is a movie that I can watch anytime. And the funny thing is, is yes, it is family friendly, especially, you know, a little bit older, 10 to 12 range maybe. But, um, at the same time, I think it's actually scary. And I think that Dracula is absolutely terrifying. He is one of the scariest adaptations of Dracula on screen to me. Yeah, I I agree with that. He's so serious. And in this film where, you kind of have these kids that are almost like the Goonies, you know, mm-hmm. um, running around like a squad. And there's a lot of humor and things like that. And then he is just so serious. And the women that he converts into uh, the female vampires. Oh, my God. They terrified me. I thought they were so scary. I still do. Yeah, they scared today me a when lot. I watch it. They scared me a lot as a kid, too. Not so much now, but back then, definitely. Yeah. You know, the other thing is that... Um, 
I love werewolf movies and I love a really good transformation. And I think that Monster Squad had a great transformation. Yeah, it really in did. The werewolf scene. And that's surprising. It's so surprising how well that film and the monsters still hold up today. Yeah, it definitely is. Okay, so what do we have next on our list? Uh, next we have Hocus Pocus. <laughs> yeah. Which is a, a, a classic uh, family-friendly Halloween movie. I just have to say, you know, a part two has been teased many times. And I think by now it's pretty much the fans just making it up that there's a part two coming because nothing has ever been confirmed. And the only posters I've ever seen are fan made. I just hope it never happens. It's not a film that needs to be expanded on, in my opinion. Probably not. I mean, they could do another, they could do another story in the same universe or something or a remake. A remake would be okay, but I, I don't really think we need a part two. I don't think we need any of it. <laughs> it's a film that I think just holds up so well. And it, it still does what it was set out to do, which is just a really over-the-top, entertaining Halloween film. And it's probably one of the best non-horror Halloween-themed films. Yeah, I'll agree with that. And then I, I guess there's going to be a possibly a television show. I haven't really looked into it that much, but I did see that floating around. Uh, here recently. All right. So maybe we'll see what happens. So the next film on the list is A Nightmare Before Christmas. There's always a debate uh, every single year between October and December. There's always a debate on social media. Is it a Christmas film or is it a Halloween film? I think it's both. I mean, it takes place during Christmas, but most of the movie takes place in Halloween town. So it's definitely both. Right. I could see both. Um, I like watching it. I probably watch it more at Christmas time. Then I do Halloween, but usually that's because at Halloween I am like overloaded on horror. <laughs> right. So at Christmas time I have it's kind of Jack Frost, Nightmare Before Christmas, et cetera, et cetera. Which Jack Frost? The the Killer Snowman or the other one? <laughs> <laughs> you mean the Killer Snowman or the um, the sappy one? <laughs> the sappy one, yeah. <laughs> you know it's the sappy one. <laughs> okay, I do kind of like that movie, but I, I love the horror film of Jack Frost, which we'll talk about that in December. <laughs> I got a funny story about that, too. <laughs> you have to hold on to it until December. <laughs> okay. All right. I will. But yeah, I love Nightmare Before Christmas. And I know we talked about the comic on a recent episode that they're coming out with a sequel in a comic version that's going to focus on the dog. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty excited about that. And uh, it's another film that I just never thought needed an actual sequel. I would have watched it, but I just don't think it ever needed it. I think it was just kind of a perfect film the way it was. I agree. There, that movie does not need a sequel or remake ever. No, it could never have a remake. It would be CGI out the ass mm -hmm. <laughs> to not remake this film. It would be terrible. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And it's so gothic and it's so dark. And the music, I mean, the music is just perfect. So Leave it alone. Leave it alone, and it definitely fits for Halloween, even yeah. if you think it's a Christmas movie. And the last thing that's on our list is Over the Garden Wall, which I don't know if you've ever seen that, Mel. You know, I have it, but one of our writers uh, just covered it this week, and he spoke really highly about it in his review. And he said that it's pretty much um, – it, it's kind of dark, but it's a great film to, or a great series, I guess, to show your kids. And um, I, I've, I've seen it. I've seen it, and I love it. It's very short. You know, you can watch the entire series in under two hours. Every episode is like 11 minutes long. And it's about these two brothers who are hanging out at the cemetery with some of their friends. And they're young. They're not like up to mischief or anything. They just happen to be hanging out there. And the police come. And so they all scatter and run different directions. And these two brothers end up climbing over this garden wall. 
and then falling on the other side and they fall into this magical world that they don't fully understand where there's monsters and demons and talking birds and just all kinds of crazy stuff and they go on this adventure and it's very lighthearted and and very fun in a lot of places but it's also very dark and there's a whole lot of adult stuff that will go over all the kids heads the kids will watch it and they'll enjoy all the music they'll enjoy all the fun things but there's so much more depth to the story than kids are capable of appreciating and I think any adult that watches it is just going to be blown away at what a masterpiece it is because it's a fantastic series. Um, and I think kids will enjoy it too for what it is. And, and you know, it's it's very dark. Like I said, I don't want to, want to tell too much about the story, but, you know, it deals with adult themes like death and resurrection and loss of friendships and coping with change and turning into an adult and falling in love and just lots and lots of adult themes that kids won't understand. So, um, it's fantastic. And all of it takes place on Halloween night, which is why it's included on this list. So I can't recommend it highly enough. Our reviewer did an excellent job of explaining more of what the story is about. And I think if you have any interest in all of checking it out, um, I'd read the review and then watch it because you will not be disappointed. Yeah. And it's actually on Hulu. Sounds good. Yes. Okay. So that concludes our list of family friendly horror and Halloween films. And again, if you're looking for films that aren't so family friendly, uh, we do have a really great list of 31 films to check out on our Facebook and our Twitter page. Sounds great. Okay. So moving on to another new segment that we're introducing this week, and that is hypothetical question of the week. Justin and I are going to take turns um, asking each other absolutely ridiculous questions that hopefully never come true. Just for fun. So, Justin, <laughs> let me ask you a question. I'm nervous. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm going to start kind of big because I figured, why not just start here and then we'll see where it goes <laughs> the rest of the of the weeks, right? Okay. You're in a hotel room. Okay. And you wake up and you're laying next to a decapitated body of a hooker. What do you do? Call my friend Andy and ask why he left a dead hooker <laughs> in, my, <laughs> in my hotel room. <laughs> I, I wish you were kidding, but I've met Andy and I know you're not. <laughs> uh, if you don't know, I do another show called the Mind Fudge Comedy Podcast and Andy is my co-host on that show. Um, and he frequently jokes about body disposal. So it seems very likely that he would uh, kill a hooker and then leave her in the bed next to me. And I would definitely call him first. Okay, so I'm just going to expand on this for a minute. Andy is going to be Andy and not answer his phone. Then what? <laughs> oh, no. I guess if I have to deal with it myself, you said it's the decapitated body, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, wrap it in the sheets, try to fold it in half and put it into a suitcase, <laughs> roll it to my car, put it in the trunk, drive to Andy's house, <laughs> leave it on his doorstep with a note, and then go about my day. So you just go like to Kroger and do your grocery shopping after you roll the decapitated yeah, I don't phase body easily. of a hooker to Andy's house. And I, I don't phase easily. Yeah, that's what I do. It sounds like it. And I will answer the question as well. Um, if I woke up next to the body <laughs> of a dead hooker who was missing her head, I, I think I would probably react a lot differently than you. And freak the fuck out first of all and uh, I, I would seriously consider calling the cops but it, it would probably not look good that I woke up next to this body so I would probably do a really 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 bad job of trying to hide it and take it with me and I would get caught immediately and go to prison because that's just how it would go because <laughs> you're just unlucky like that <laughs> well I wish I could say that I would be able to kind of uh, man up a little bit <laughs> 
if that's the, the phrase to use here and um, do that really cool thing in movies, you know, where they, where they hurry up and like dispose of evidence and clean everything up really well somehow. And I just wouldn't, I mean, I would be really clumsy. Like my, my hair would be everywhere and my fingerprints and um, I'd probably drip things as I carried the body, it would be bad. I would get caught really fast. Yeah. I might too, but I would definitely point them in Andy's direction. So <laughs> I'd probably be okay. And, and you have a lot of podcasts to back you up on. I that, do. There's, so. there's like a lot of evidence that he knows how to dispose of bodies. Right. And in my scenario, it's just me. So it doesn't look good. No, I know it would be a huge mess. <laughs> Plus I think at some point after cleaning up blood and everything else, I, I think I would just kind of get lazy and just be like, fuck it. <laughs> Whatever happens, happens. I am not cleaning this shit up anymore. <laughs> I don't think anybody would blame you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's probably going to be me. <laughs> well, that was fun. And I can't wait to see what you have for me next week. I'll have a good one. Don't worry. <laughs> we can only go downhill from here, right? <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> okay, so moving on to HGL Recommends, where Justin and I are going to recommend something that we love to our awesome listeners so that you can check it out. And my recommendation this week is What Remains of Edith Finch. I played the game on PC, and I fell in love with it. It's not a long game. It's probably four or five hours of gameplay, but the story is so rich, and the game is so beautiful that that's all it needs. And I really appreciate games that give you exactly what they need to give you. And they don't try to add all the additional fluff and quests and things like that just to extend the story time. And so it was one of those games for me. And I was completely invested every single minute that I played. And once it was finished, I got a little emotional <laughs> and then I just thought about it for so long. It stuck with me for days. So it's definitely a game that I recommend. I'll have to check it out. Uh, I'm recommending a Kickstarter for Blood and Dust Volume 2, Glenny Family Values. Blood and Dust is the story of the oldest American vampire named Judd Glenny and his family, who he tries to raise and protect from humanity. Uh, they live on the outskirts of the swamps of Louisiana, and basically the townspeople know there's some kind of thing living out in the woods in the swamps, but they don't really know what it is. And he's out there with his family, and he has two young grandchildren who are in their right minds, but they were turned when they were really young. And he has their mother who was turned and gave birth to the two kids, but she's completely crazy. And he tries to protect the town from her ever escaping or going in on a killing spree. And uh, there's all kinds of other monsters in this world that live in the swamp that seek to destroy the vampires or else seek to, to abduct the children from the town. And uh, basically Judd has to kind of step up as not only the, the protector of his family, but sometimes the protector of the humans as well. So it's kind of a conflicting interest for him. The first volume of this, which collected the first three issues, told the story of the family and how they first got involved with the town and everything. But part two just recently got released on Kickstarter. And it's about the story leading up to them where they're at now outside of Louisiana. It's about the mom and how she gave birth to the kids and everything that happened leading up to them being there. And uh, I really, really enjoy the story. It's very dark. It's very brutal. There's a lot of blood and a lot of violence. And uh, the vampires are the scary kind of vampires that we haven't seen a lot of lately. Um, Michael Martin, the creator, and Adam Orndorff, uh, they are both very dedicated to telling like a classic Western vampire story. I can't say enough good things about this book. Go check it out. You can pick up volume one and volume two through the Kickstarter. They have a lot of other great rewards. Um, again, just go to kickstarter.com and do a search for blood and dust. Awesome. And that actually reminds me, 
I, I believe on one of the first few episodes that we had, you had recommended the comic uh, Nailbiter. Mm-hmm. And I have been reading Nailbiter. I'm actually almost done. I should be finishing it maybe this weekend. Oh, awesome. And I am completely obsessed with it <laughs> after reading it. It is probably one of the best horror comics I've read. It's yeah, I, I put it up there as probably the best horror comic I've ever read. Josh Williamson's fantastic, and like it's just such a great serial killer story. It really is. And for those of you who aren't uh, familiar with it, just to kind of revisit it for just a second, it's about a um, a fictional town in Oregon who has actually produced sixteen of the United States' worst serial killers, and the most recent serial killer to come out is uh, known as Nailbiter because he chews off his victims' nails and he uh, chews off their flesh. And it's just a really great story, especially if you love serial killers and uh, mysteries and things like that. So I have to thank you for recommending that because, like I said, I started reading it actually on the plane to PAX. And then I've been reading it a bit since then. And the art is amazing. The story is amazing. The writing, everything. I'm glad you enjoy it so much. It's Like I said, it's one of my absolute favorites. So everybody out there, I know we're only supposed to do one recommendation each, but definitely check out Nailbiter if you can. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Okay, so that wraps up our sixth episode of the Horror Geek Podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in. And, of course, we'll be back next week bringing you more horror, geek, and gaming. For more information about our podcast, check out horrorgeeklife.com and click on the podcast link. It's also available on iTunes, Google Play, and other podcatchers. And if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Horror Geek Life. If you'd like to follow me on Facebook and Twitter, you can find me under Horror Geek Mel. And if you'd like to follow me, I am at ComicalJC pretty much everywhere. Awesome. And we'll be back next week. Bye, guys.